is, and I'm so thankful uh, as uh, you are here tonight. We, I gave the challenge last Wednesday um, in regards to being here, coming prepared, always, that's how we should approach every service, prepared to receive and learn from the Word of God, but we are specifically going to be walking through what we're calling biblical foundations, and uh, we're going to be talking about and, and uh, preaching, teaching on uh, some of the pillars and the, uh, the doctrines of what we believe, not only what we believe, but why we believe them, and we're looking at the Word of God in regards to these subjects, and and uh, we're, we want to uh, not only uh, equip and encourage and teach, but also for some it's to refresh and to renew. Uh, we were saying last week that if there's ever a time as to where we're seeing such a, uh, there's, there, there's really just an overwhelming uh, uh, flood, if, you, if I can use that term, of information and opinions and doctrines and teachings and preachings. And uh, we are at a point in time that on nearly any social media platform, uh, through television or on the radio or whatever the case might be, one thing is for certain that America is inundated with quote-unquote gospel. Uh, we are inundated with all kinds of teachings and thoughts and different opinions. And here's what I can assure you of, Brother Marvin. Whatever somebody has a desire for, uh, what they want to know or what they want to believe, you will find somebody preaching or teaching that message. Doesn't mean it's biblical, but you will find somebody. As a matter of fact, let me just say this is... Uh, beyond beyond some of the things that uh, uh, we might normally equate uh, churches being established, works beginning, right? Uh, churches, uh, people pioneering a church or starting a church or, uh, or anything of that nature. We have gotten away from uh, churches being established for the sake of uh, doing a new, uh, doing a work in a new place to reach new people, to reach out to the lost, to preach the gospel in those capacities. But we have now seen a trend right here in America that most churches, though the guise or the premise might be, well, that's what we're doing. But the truth of the matter is, is that a lot of new works that are being done, churches that are being established, is because there is divisive situations that are happening in churches all over. They are divided upon the way certain things should be done, the way things are taught or preached. You get a group of people that doesn't like this or like that, so they're going to leave and start another church. And so we've even gotten away from, from the gospel aspect of people being reached and the gospel being preached and establishing new works. But right here where we are, it has been more so that entities and churches and ministries have been started and or being developed because they are catering to a specific group of people. Catering to a specific idea. Catering to maybe a gripe or a complaint or a dislike. The Word of God I shared with you last week, the Word of God tells us that in this day, 
And I say this day because we're in the last day. It said that they would heap themselves together teachers, having itching ears. Now, growing up in the church, I have heard this particular passage preached in regards to the feel-good message of the day. I have heard this heard these scriptures used to go against those who would lean upon a charismatic type type preaching, uh, prosperity type gospel, and it's fitting there. Uh, however, I believe that we've kind of missed the mark and also misrepresented that in the fact and in, in the sense that we will preach against the prosperity gospel. We'll preach against the charismatic uh, movements or these things that condone and justify uh, 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 sinful lifestyles or telling people what they want to hear. But we will overlook the fact that some of the work that's going on is not gospel work, but it's catered to the complaints and the flesh and the gripe of people. Amen, Brother Jake. That's good preaching. Thank you. But it's just, it's the truth. And said that they will do this, Brother T, because they will not endure sound doctrine. They will not endure sound doctrine. I said last week, and let me say this again, we will only be as spiritual as we are scriptural. Too many in the church today, we are trying to be spiritual based off of, and these were the three things that we talked about last week. We want to be spiritual based off of our traditions, off of religious activity, and off of opinion or fable. We have people that the depth of their spirituality stops at those places. But we do not go deep into the word of God. We are, we are in a generation where there is more churches, more ministry, more preaching, more of all things under the heading of church. But there are less people who are becoming uh, 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 studious or have a desire for the things of truth of God's word. I've heard preaching, I'm sure you have as well. I've heard preaching, uh, preach an entire message and never a scripture shared. Nothing from the word of God delivered. But based off of opinion. Based off of tradition. Based off of religion. Based off of fables and stories. How many of you agree and believe we've got to get back to the Bible? Amen. Won't you say it with me? Say, I've got to get back to the Bible. Amen. Here's one thing that I've learned, and I've still got a lot to learn. So when I say this, I don't say it from a know-it-all perspective. I'm still very green and wet behind the ears, as the old-timers would say. But in, in the years of pastoring, here's what I do not assume any further. is that people, saved or not saved, that are sitting in the church, have a working knowledge of God's Word. There's many who do not have a working knowledge of God's word. What do you mean? There is not an active life in pursuing the things from his word. And it's not being applied to their life. We are masters of amening. We are masters of shouting. We are masters of emotion. And oh, I've got a touch. But we neglect applying Biblical truths and principles to our lives 
that make a difference in our lives. Amen. And in the world around us. So, that was all free. Let's get into the Word of God tonight. Turn with me to the book of Romans chapter 3. And so while you're turning there, and if you will stand for the reading of God's Word, uh, like I said, we're going to be looking at some things in the course of time. I'm not going to put an end date on this series. We're just going to park and spend some time and dissect the Word of God. Uh, If there's one thing that I want, I want our church people, I want you, I want want you to, to look and know and understand and see And uh, that is not a knock, that is not disrespectful, that is not me saying that you aren't doing, you're not seeking, you're not practicing, you're not praying. That's not your pastor saying those things at all. But corporately, it's important that we take some time and we get into God's Word and let that Word challenge us. Maybe there's something we see afresh and anew. Maybe there's something that we come to have a better understanding because we spend some time on it uh, as, we, as we go through the process. And so, uh, every one of us, room to grow, room to learn, and uh, room to look at. So, we were looking at the Bible as our foundation last week and talking about the importance of the Word of God being at work in our lives. And so, uh, here tonight, as we look at Romans chapter 3, verse number 9. Romans 3, verse number 9, and once you're there, would you say amen? And tonight we're going we're gonna to be preaching upon this, and it is, it's this, just this simple fact, and it's all have sinned. And I have put a subtitle on it, and it is too good to be true. And I'll explain that in just a little bit. Too good to be true. And uh, so we're going to look here at this. Romans 3, starting at verse 9. What then? Are we better than they? No, in no wise. For we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous. Somebody shout none. None righteous, and then Paul further explains, no, not one. And I find it interesting that he, that he puts this here, and I thought to myself as he's writing this letter, it is, it is, this is how it is. If you speak to a group of people and say, everybody's like this or everybody has to do this, I promise you there is somebody in the group who's saying, not me. Uh-uh, not me. I don't have to follow that rule. That don't apply to me. That's not me. That's our human nature. So Paul said, not only is none righteous, he goes on to say, and by the way, that means you too. That one of you who thinks you're above the law, the one who thinks it doesn't apply. He says, no, not one. He says, there is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all. Test one, two. There we go. Brother Udy said, it wasn't me. I wasn't turning you off, preacher. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. Again, Paul's making sure this is understood. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. You can put the word grave in there. 
With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace have they not known. Listen to this. Tell me if you don't think that this right here describes where we're at right now in our country. Listen, there is no fear of God. Let me read that again. There is no fear of God before their eyes. No fear of God before their eyes. And so we're going to preach on this. We're going to be dealing with all have sinned. And uh, we just ask the Lord to help us tonight. Father, I praise you once again for your word. I thank you for your presence, for your people here tonight. And I pray let your word, let it touch our hearts. And Lord, let it rest in our ears. Let us hear what you would have to say. I pray your anointing on my mind and lips and give me clarity of thought and Lord, clarity in my, my words. I pray, Lord, you'd meet with us here and challenge us. I pray the Holy Ghost to deal with us. And Father, we thank you for all that you will do. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can be seated. Now, I will say this, that in reading this, uh, if you just look at this uh, and, and you see these phrases that are stated over and again, there's none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned. Uh, there's none that are good. Uh, those that are, that the, the church at Rome that was reading this, and even us here today, uh, you would say, wow, pastor, I, I thought that we weren't supposed to be living under condemnation. It sounds like this is going to be one of those messages you just beat all of us up, and we go home thinking that we're just no good for nothings. Well, I'm not, I'm not saying that to night and I'm not here to beat anybody up. Uh, however, what I uh, will say is that we have to understand that in the premise of what Christ came to do, I want you to understand something. When we look and read about the life of Christ, we see and know of famous messages that were preached, words and actions that were said and done, miracles that were performed. The life of Christ is chock full of all kinds of the divine work of God, compassion, mercy, power. I mean, all of these things all entailed in the person of Christ. But let me say this in the fact that those things, uh, if I might say, and before you raise an eyebrow and think that I'm speaking blasphemy here, all of those things were secondary. And what do you mean by that, Brother Jacob? They were secondary because what was primary for Christ, that is the fact that what he came to do is that he came to die for our sin. He came to give his life so that our sin could be forgiven, so that we could be restored and put back in right relationship with God. And so for us to understand the significance of the sacrifice of Christ and for us to appreciate, for us to accept Him as our Savior, there first has to be a recognition, Sister Sandy, that we are in need of saving, that we are in need of a Savior. 
that there is sin in our lives that has to be dealt with. There are things that are in us and a part of us that have to be forgiven. Now understand why this is such an important piece and part. It's because especially in the hour in which we live, there are many, there are many, and let me say not only in the world, not only is it a world, and when I say world, I'm talking about a world, the lost, outside of Christ. Uh, those that do not have the saving knowledge of Christ at work in their lives. So not only is this an idea that has permeated the minds of people in the world, but I would probably be safe to say it is just as tragic, if not more so, in our churches of those who are convinced of their own goodness. Those who are convinced of their own goodness. Let me say this. Let me say tonight that that, that I believe personally the most difficult person to win to Christ, the most difficult person to see born again are those who are convinced of their rightness. Those who are, let me say it like this, there are those who even have such a religious mindset that their their religious idea their religious affiliation their religious rituals and rites they believe those are the things that provide them redemption those are the things they believe keep them in right standing with God Christ said it like this to those who were religious leaders of the day those who had practiced and taught the law of Moses and they had implemented their own traditions and their own religious ideas. He told them this. He said, on the outside you look like a whitewashed sepulcher. He said, on the outside, you're clean. On the outside, every box is checked. On the outside, you seem very spiritual. On the outside, it seems you've got all the answers and you have it all together. And through that lens, you have executed judgment on these around you. He said, but here's what you need to know and be reminded of. He said, I call you a sepulcher because on the inside, you are full of dead bones. He said, there's nothing inside. There's nothing inside. And so this must be understood in the fact that we oftentimes, we look to and relate to our goodness or our association with goodness as a result of those things that have us in right standing with God. Let me further explain. Not only are there those who hold on to their religious traditions and routines and rites and rituals, but there are also those who are living off of the laurels or the good deeds or the reputation of those who have preceded them. Let me say this, and here's what I want you to understand. I'm sharing a dad's heart and a pastor's heart at the same time. Here's what I do I do not want, and I have shared this with Ashley. And I've told her this. I have said, sis, here's what you've got to know. Is that it is not enough for you just to say that you have seen mom and dad serve God. Or that you grew up in the church. You've got to know Christ for yourself. 
My reputation cannot save you. My convictions cannot save you. My stand cannot save you. I can point the way. I can lead you to truth. I can provide an avenue. But at the end of the day, I cannot do it. And can I say that a part of the group, let me tell you moms and dads, I wouldn't trade anything. Grandmas, grandpa, I would not trade anything for raising that baby in God's house. Let me tell you that right now. I trade it for nothing. I believe God's house, being in His presence, should take precedence over everything else in our lives. Hear me. Over t-ball, softball, baseball, soccer, tennis, football. Yeah, I went there. Over dance, over cheerleading, over all this other stuff. Let me tell you something. There's less than 1% chance they'll ever become a professional athlete. Let me just be honest with you. There's a 100% chance they will stand before God. You understand what I'm saying? You can get mad at me. You can say, well, you don't understand. You don't understand schedule. You don't understand this. You don't understand that, Brother Jake. No, I do understand. I do. It's just as for me and my house, we've made a choice. We've made a decision. It boils down to priority. But let me say all this. I do not. A little bit of rabbit trail. Lord, keep me in place. So let me say this, what happens is, is the fact that I would not change anything for raising that girl in church, right? I, I will never regret that, okay? She, at a point in time, she's going to have to make a decision what she's going to do with this. However, I will say this, yes, bring those babies to God's house, have them in God's house, but I will say this, Moms, dads, grandmas, grandpas, our work is cut out for us because there is none, I believe, harder to reach. Now, you can disagree, but I'm, I'm telling you the truth. It's okay if you're wrong. Just had to make you laugh for a second. But let me tell you something. There's no one harder to reach than the one who grew up on a church pew. Just going to tell you. I'm going to tell you, buckle in, hang on, hold on, because I'm going to tell you, that little blonde hair girl with curls, that little boy who you're so proud, he came in with his bow tie on and carried his B-I-B-L-E in, and he had his missions offering, and they took up their victory barrels, and they was in the kids' choir, and they prayed and cried in youth camp, and they went to this uh, youth conference, and they did this thing, and they was in Royal Rangers missionettes and stars, and every other thing that we can do to expose them to good influences and examples, and the Word of God, and the power of God. I'm here to tell you the one that's hardest to convince that they are lost and need saved is that one who's been in the church it almost sounds seems like a dichotomy doesn't it it almost seems like a contradiction we must raise them in God's house in his presence but prepare yourself because that person that young person who will become an adult and or you you were maybe one who was there 
And then you look back and you say, man, wasted time, wasted years, scars, regrets, because I was holding on to the fact that I thought I was good, I was well enough spiritually, though there were things I knew I was doing was not right, but I justified these things and thought everything was okay, would not acknowledge my sin because I was living off a reputation of what church I belonged to, who the preacher was, who mom and dad was. And that is more prevalent than we care to recognize. Than we care to recognize. I've been in meetings. I've been around preachers. I've been around different things. Brother Torbert, different ones have as well. And sometimes the, the folks calling card is they want you to know who they know. They want you to know who they came up under. They want you to know, uh, you know all, uh, all these things. I, listen to me. I mean this with all of my heart. It is an honor. It is an honor to pastor a church that has such a legacy. Hear me, it's an honor. But I have talked with people that all they wanted to talk about is who church, who founded this church, which was Brother Clinton, a godly man, fabulous man of God, but not God. Is that offensive, Brother Gary? No. All right. I'm checking with family. A godly man, but not God. And so there were some, there were some that would come and they'd say, Oh, ooh, oh, you're pastor in Clendenin's church. Oh, wow. Ooh, I've heard all the adjectives and adverbs and all the things. And all, you've got big shoes to fill. You've got this and you've got that. And, and, and what I've done lovingly and what I've said is this. I said, number one, I said, me nor anybody else is B.H. Clendenin. God did not call Jacob Smith to be B.H. Clendenin. He did not call me to be Robert Turnage. He called me to be Jacob Smith. And what Jacob Smith is trying to do is what I believe that Pastor Turnage and Pastor Clinton was trying to do. And that's just be like Christ. Amen. And, and, and it's not. And, it's, and brother, if Brother Clinton could come and tell you this. I'm not saying anything. This is live stream. I'm not saying anything that I would regret or that, that I'm ashamed of in saying this. It's the fact that if he could stand here and say this tonight. He would say it was never my church. But it's God's church. It was never just my people. But that's God's people. And so that's what I try to say. When I say big shoes to fill. It's because we're trying to follow the steps of Christ. Listen we cannot rest under the guise this was Clendenin's or this was Turnage's or this is where Jacob Smith's at no sir no ma'am that will not earn you a place into heaven you must be born again and the only way that can be done is when we acknowledge and know that we are lost without him without him we have to understand and come to the grips and the fact that we, us, and our humanity, that we are in a place that in order for us to, to have a Savior, to, to see our need for the Savior, we have to come to grips with the fact that we are not good enough. 
You cannot dress good enough. You cannot tithe good enough. You cannot sing good enough. You sure can't preach good enough. You cannot, you cannot travel enough. You can't be at enough meetings or conventions or revivals. You cannot have cast out enough devils to save your soul. Christ said this. They would stand before him and say, We've done these things in your name. And he said, But I never knew you. Why such a confrontation? Why such a conversation? Because they were those who rested upon what was done in themselves versus what Christ and Christ alone could do in us. I thank God for legacy and heritage that some of your families have. I thank God there's grannies and papas and mamas and daddies and aunts and uncles mentors and friends that came along to tell you the truth and point you in the way. But friends, understand something. We can't sit by and think that those things give us a pass. Because they don't. They don't. I'll go ahead and say his name. But Joel Osteen was quoted saying this. He said 99.9% of people are good. No sir, they're not. I just read to you what Paul said. Right? 99.9% of people are sinners. We're born into sin. And we have to understand. Listen, you can, you can wrap it up. What do, they, what do they say? You can put lipstick on the pig, but it's still a pig. Right? Come on. You can, you can do all this stuff. And, but listen, this is the gospel of today's time. This is that you can better yourself. You can better yourself. We've got people walking around all the time saying, I'm a king, I'm a queen, I'm a boss, I'm a this, I'm a self-made man, I'm a self-made woman. That leads to the pride of life. We are nothing. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. And how dare a person in the pulpit, a deacon in the church, a Sunday school teacher, whatever position, whatever title, whatever calling God has given, be careful not to look down at a nose of self-righteousness, pointing your finger, shaking your head, and wagging your tongue about how somebody's not this and that, but sure all the other things. Listen to me. We have to come to grips with all have sinned. All have sinned. That's why I prefaced, what does it say? If it's too good to be true, it probably isn't. If it's too good to be true, it's going to be a lie. And in our humanity, we have, we have folks that they have extreme amounts of generosity they give to great causes. They do different things. Listen to me. Hear what I'm saying. Look at the agenda of the Antichrist. I am not, I'm not reducing this down to political agendas. Not the GOP. Not, not the Democrats. Not the independents. Not the, there's all kinds of branches now. We've got all kinds of people, different things. And I, everybody wants to blame Democrats or Republicans for different things, whatever the case might be. Let me just tell you what the Word of God said. In the Word of God... This is what it lends itself to. It is an antichrist spirit. 
It is an antichrist spirit and it's the agenda of hell to try to tell people. And here, here's the thing. Yes, it aggravates me that they would try to push this down our throats. And also to, to try to push it down the throats of our children. Elementary children in school whose brains have not quite even figured out right or wrong yet. And to try to tell them that homosexuality, lesbianism, transgender. Do you identify as a girl? Then you're a girl. You identify as a boy? Then you're a boy. You identify as a cat? You're a cat. Listen, we've got, we, we have lost our ever-loving minds. It's out there everywhere. So what is that? What it is, it is the premise that... That whatever you think you are, whatever you lend your heart to be, you're good. You're fine. Go in that trajectory. Listen, Johnny can't decide if he wants a corn dog or peanut butter and jelly. Then he can't decide whether he's a boy, a girl, or a cat, or anything else. He's what God made him to be. But it's the agenda. It's the agenda that everything is good. Have you noticed that? It's all, it's good. It's all good. It's all good. Hear me, that is an attitude of hell. It's an antichrist spirit. I know you want to blame a party. I'll just tell you, it's the devil. It's sin. And this is what happens is when sin is not dealt with. When it's not dealt with, we call good evil. And we call evil good. Hear me. We have to understand, if we think it's too good to be true, and this is just talking about humanity, you can't live this way, you can't be this way. Paul, had, Paul was addressing some things here in the scripture. He said, he said, this isn't to say that we're better than anybody else. He was talking about the comparisons of the Jews and the Gentiles. The Jews were very prejudiced in the fact that because they were God's chosen people, they hinged everything upon that first, circumcision, that they had the law, all these things. The Gentiles, they threw out in the trash and said, it ain't nothing for them. They're unsanctified, they're unholy, they're, they're nasty, they, ain't nobody can save him. Paul came along and he is challenging this mindset, challenging this. Let me tell you something. The early church had severe issues and problems with prejudice based upon their standpoint, the fact that they were chosen by God. And so, therefore, to leave out others. They weren't worth saving. They couldn't be saved. So, Paul here says, we have proven both Jews and Gentiles, they are all under sin. I want to remind you, whether you've been in this church 60 years or you've been in here six months, let me tell you something, everybody in here wrestles with the sin nature. And everybody in here has to get it dealt with. Let me tell you something. I pick on, I, I, I say pick on. I call these three out a lot. They're some of our newest converts. And they're growing. And they're, are they perfect? Huh? A little bit. The, 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 the verdict is still out. But let me, let me just say this. Let me just say this. When we, when we here's what can happen. We start talking about addictions and sin and life and all these kinds of things. And the good old saved folks, been, you've been saved 50, 60 years. You're looking up front saying, bless their hearts. They just, they need all of Jesus they can get. They just, they just, 
that just, you know, how they are. They just, you know, they, you know, they just, they just always in the struggle, always in the fight, always in this. And let me tell you something, those of us thinking those things and, 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 and thinking how, oh, poor Sister Gloria, she just, uh, you know, she just, Lord help her, Lord help her. Let me tell you something, let me tell you something. We can think that all day long about new converts. Well, they're fresh out of, they've, just, they, they, they've been pulled out of the hand of the enemy. And God saved them. And God, yes, he's doing the work. But we start thinking these things and we start, we start dismissing the things in our lives. We start overlooking the things we've got to deal with. Because it becomes too easy to sit and look around and look at the, look at the rookies. Look at the babes in Christ and say, yeah, they're the ones. Sister Amber, she's still learning. This one's still learning. This one's still doing this. And we can get very self-righteous. Be careful lest you fall. Be careful lest you think more of yourself than you ought to. Now listen, when we look at this, like I said, we have to recognize. We have to recognize that we contend with sin, that this is something that we are battling. Paul said, every one of these, he said, both Jew and Gentile, he said, there's none righteous. He said, I don't care, we can talk circumcision, we can talk, talk rights, you can say you're the children of Abraham, your father was Abraham, you, can, you had the covenant, you had all this. He said, you can say all these things. He said, but here's what you have to understand, both Jew and Gentile, all have sinned. All have sinned. He goes on to say, he said, there's none that seeks after God. Now, what, what is he meaning by this? Because some would say, well, I am seeking after him. I'm in church. I'm in his presence. I'm in prayer. I'm in his word. Yes, understand. But what he's saying, in our flesh, in our humanity, in our human nature, we, we, we're, not, we're not pursuing the things of God. We're pursuing after selfish pursuits. He says, there's none that seeks God. They're all gone out of the way, and they are together become unprofitable. He goes on to say, there's none good, no, not one. He deals with the fact of what comes out of their mouths. He goes with the fact that they're swift to shed blood. The Word of God later tells us the fact that they are swift to shed innocent blood. And now listen, that's not just talking in a capacity of serving, uh, or I'm sorry, shedding blood in a physical and by way of killing somebody. But did you know that there are people swift to shed blood and kill somebody with the power of their... What did it say, Brother Marvin? Life and death are right here in this. There's some folks you never pulled a gun, never pulled a sword on, but buddy, you killed them with your mouth. With your words. He says these are things. He said destruction and misery are in their ways. He says the way of peace have they not known. And then here we are. We're looking at this. We're looking at our climate. We're looking at our circumstance. There is no fear of God before their eyes. The fear of God. Speaking of the fact that there's reverence. There is respect. Let me tell you something. When I, the house I grew up in, I did not go to my buddy's house and act a fool. Let me just tell you that right now. I did not go to my friend's house and disrespect their parents. I did not go to my friend's house and go and tear up their property. I did not go to my friend's house and go and raid their fridge. I did not go to my friend's house and, 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 and do nonsense. You know why? I had a fear 
a healthy fear of my mom and dad. Because I knew that even if I tried some of that nonsense and they over there let me get away with it because they didn't want to correct me. But if my parents found out, I was a dead man. I'm telling you. And so therefore, I conducted my behavior. I lived my life based off of my fear of my mom and dad. Interpreted, I respected them. And I knew what they would do, and I knew they would follow through with it. My parents were not one, two, three parents. I'm going to tell you right now. They didn't count. It wasn't time out. It wasn't next time. It, it was, I, I didn't have warnings. Okay? And I'm a better man because of it. Let me just put that out there. Okay? In this series, I, I can tell you, I'm going to get into some places I can be in some big trouble. Okay? But I'm just going to tell you, moms, dads, and I, I hate, I, I know this is hard, grandmas, grandpas, let me tell you something. That little one is not innocent. They need correction. They've got to be corrected. They've got to be dealt with. Did you know the Bible says, Solomon said, that a child left to themselves brings sorrow to their mother, shame to their father. You let a kid do stuff on their own, you know why? Because that child is born with sin nature, just like you and I. You can't fathom, you can't believe little Billy, you can't believe little Susie, whatever. Oh, yes, they can. You did, they will, Right? But the Word of God says that we are in a place. He said they do this because there is no fear of God. No thought. Sin is emblazoned all around us. Sin is ever before our eyes. Now let me tell you something. The sin that's going on is not new sin. That sounds controversial. Because somebody's sitting here older than me, and you're going, well, they didn't do that in my day. No, they did. They just hid it better. You hear what I'm saying? Because we were at a time in our culture in America where there was a greater moral compass. There were still things, decisions, laws, practices that were still based off of God's Word. We were still very much at that point, more so than we are now, a Christian nation. It's just the same sins were abounding. It's just they were hid differently. They weren't exposed. And so what happens now is this. Is now we've reached a point where full tilt the other way. There is no fear of God. We've rejected Him. We've thrown Him out of every place that we possibly can. We do not invite Him into our midst. He's not even welcome in most of our churches. We, we, we throw our hands up about schools and about in the courthouse and about in the White House. You know what's the most sad? He's not welcome in our churches. That's the bigger problem. That's the bigger problem. Now, I know I'm not shouting and swinging from the chandelier tonight, but what I'm telling you, this is good. This is truth. And so we're just going to park and teach a little bit if that's okay. What happens is, 
is we, we, we look at these things and we have, we have disconnected ourselves from God. And so therefore, there is no fear, there's no, res- there's no respect, there's no reverence for Him. And there's no reverence, we, we see it in the same token, there's no reverence for His house. Let me just make something abundantly clear. You just don't do any old thing in this sanctuary. You don't bring soda pop and popcorn in the church. That's out there. We don't, we don't, we don't we're not going to, you know, we've got, we got things going on in the church right now. I mean, because people think that they're making the church relevant. They're making the church more acceptable, more palatable. And as a result, we have gotten more ridiculous. And let me tell you something. Some things that are being done in churches, Brother Torbert, I'd be scared to death to stand behind that desk. Because I have enough fear of God, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be convinced if I did some of that stuff in God's house, He would strike me down. He'd strike me down. Let me say it like this. If we dealt with the consequences of sin immediately now, we would sin a lot less. But because there's grace, because God is long-suffering, and because there are some things that we won't deal with until we stand before God, we think that God's turned His head, closed His eye, He's winking at us, it's all right. It's okay, you can do that, because that is the message of the day. There's no fear of God. There's no fear of God. May we recapture this again and get back to the Bible, get back to prayer, get back to understanding that a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Meaning, The little bits that we allow in, the little things that we leave unrepented of, the little things we put up with and we tolerate it and we think God doesn't care, it costs us greatly. It costs us greatly. I'm I'm out of time. Can I read something else to you? Five minutes. Thank you, Sister, Sister Gay. Listen. All have sinned. This is what David said. We were born into sin. He said, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. We hear more and more today, I was born this way. Well, you're right. Your warped idea and agenda is because you were born into sin. You were born and shapen in iniquity. All of us were. You did not have to learn about the conflict that goes on inside of your soul, did you? You ever notice you don't, I don't, Sister Amber has never taught Joseph. She's never taught him, this is how you throw a fit when you don't get your way. I've never seen anybody advertise a parenting class on teach your child how to throw a tantrum in 10 seconds. Right? Never. Sister Kelly does not say in our church nursery, boys and girls, today we are going to learn how to get mad when somebody else takes your toy. No, it's natural. That's mine. The first thing a child often learns to say besides mom and dad is, no. Right? 
The thing that comes natural when they're a little bit older and you say, did you take that? Did you eat them gummy bears? Did you put marker on the wall? Uh Uh-uh. Because it's natural to what? Lie. It's natural. You don't teach your kids these things. It's natural. David said we're born into this. We are born in this. We do not have to be taught this conflict. It's there. And I think I'm going to stop here because next Wednesday we're going to deal with some specifics. We know that all have sin, but we're going to deal with some specifics of what is sin. What is sin? And we're going to look at the biblical perspective of what this is. Now, you're sitting here saying, well, we know what sin is. You've already, you've already called some things out and said some things. But we're going, to, we're going to get in this a little bit deeper. Brother Danny, would you come? Sister Carolyn, would you come? Can we stand together all over this house? Tonight, here's the challenge, I believe. Here's the challenge. God, don't let me get so called up in religious well-doing. Don't let me get called up. Did you know? Can I, can I tell you something that might just really surprise you? Did you know that I could stand in this pulpit and I could preach and I could pastor this church for years to come should Jesus tarry? I could do all of those things, and did you know I could still not make heaven? Do you know preachers can learn to preach? You can learn to do and say the things. You can learn to hide and cover up, and you can learn to do all these things. And you can, you can be in a place, you can be in a place as to where there's, there's things that I can be going, I can be going through the actions, I can be going through the routines and my heart be very far from God. And so tonight the challenge is this, be careful about all the righteous things that we think that we are doing or we think that benefits us. Listen, set your heart to do right things, set your heart to pursue Christ. But understand, we have to come to terms with and we have to deal with the fact that we have to confront and deal with this sinful nature. We have to. We have to. We cannot excuse it away. We cannot do, good, we cannot do enough good things to escape it away. Brother Lucas, when it comes down to it, we have to confront it and the way that it has to be dealt with is that we take it to Christ take it to Christ when I was little and many of you when you were little these were the ABC's of salvation what was A? admit that you're a sinner admit that you have sinned and isn't it amazing how the church and the world we have gotten so far from that we would rather park ourselves on a pew cross our hands Pucker out our lips, glare at the preacher. How dare he preach anything that even comes close to things that I'm dealing with in my life? He better not call anything out. I'll quit showing up. I'll quit paying my tithe. I'll show them. 
Well, Satan sometimes nearly dare God to move us. Be careful of such an attitude and a heart. Be careful of such a mindset. God, break us. Let us be contrite again. Let us be in a place. Now listen to what pastor's saying. Don't leave here confused. Because I tell you that we deal with sin nature, I'm not saying that you have to sin every day. I'm not advocating that. I don't believe that. I believe that because of Christ's sacrifice and the power of God, the power of the Holy Ghost, you can live above sin. But I will tell you is that you will confront and deal with that sin nature every day. Every day. And so, Sister Mary, it is, Lord, help me through this day. Help me keep my heart tender. Keep my heart right. Lord, I want to live in fear of you and respect you enough that if it would cause any confusion. I grew up being taught, if you have to wonder if it's okay, it's just better that you don't. Until you really know. Until you really know. So tonight, this is the altar call. God, let us be of a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Help us that we don't don't get so far down the road in our religious ways and our self-promoting attitudes and resting on the reputation of who it was in our life that knew you. But Lord, deal with me. Deal with me. I want my heart, my life to be in right standing with you. If that's us tonight, can we just come find a place to pray in these altars before we leave tonight? Can we come and just spend a little bit of time in this presence? Can we come and just talk with the Lord tonight? Would you allow the Holy Ghost to challenge? Would you allow the Holy Ghost to search your heart? Would you allow the Spirit of God? Lord, I recognize, I admit, I know. I know what I'm capable of, and I know what I can do, and I know what I can be. Would you help me? Lord, would you help me? Lord, would you deal with me? Oh, Father, I need you. Father, I need you. Lord, let me be of a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Oh, Jesus, help me tonight. Help us tonight, Lord. Search me and know me. See if there be a wicked way within me. Is there an attitude? Is there a spirit? Is there a mindset that must be dealt with? Lord, challenge our hearts tonight. Challenge our hearts tonight. Oh.